This message is a ministry of Plainville Baptist Church. www.plainvillebaptistchurch.org This church is alive. Babies, little ones, children. Sometimes they're annoying, but then you got folks like me, all the time annoying. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God's blessing on Pastor David and upon his message to us at this time. We call out to you, O Lord our God. We ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would bless Pastor David, that you would fill him full with your spirit. Father, you would empower the going forth of your word. And that, Father, you would give us spiritual ears to hear and eyes to see, a heart to receive precious spiritual truth that we might desire above all things. And you would bring it to pass that we should grow in grace and in our knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Magnify the name of Christ now during this time and in this place we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Now. Turn to Genesis chapter 8 as we're in that section this week for our weekly word. I, I just have a slight favor, personal favor to ask you. Um, it's not a spiritual favor. Uh, my, my doctor for 22 years is retiring. I need to find a new doctor. If you say, hey, my doctor is better, the best thing since sliced bread, and you should go see him, a PCP. I need a PCP. So if you have that, uh, no women, please. No, nothing against that. But I just, you know, I don't need to say any more. Um, I think doc, there are great women doctors, but just not for me. Um, so if you have a male doctor as a PCP and say, this, this is the guy, uh, I'd love to um, hear from you. Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. God remembered Noah. That's it. God remembered Noah. I want you to think about the absolute importance of that statement. And I just want to start quickly with a, with a brief slide because I... The importance of that statement is seen in the poetry uh, that Moses used in writing this because it's a pyramid. And we know the story of Noah and the flood. God remembered Noah. We know the story of, of Noah and the flood. In chapter 6, we see how the world had corrupted itself and it became so wicked that God was grieved in his heart concerning humanity. And he said, no one will listen. No one is listening. No one is seeking after me. They're all turning to their own way. And I need to destroy the earth. And so he calls Noah, a man who stood before him, who sought after him, and for 120 years preached the gospel that God would save all who enter into the ark, into that one door that would be provided. 
And God brings the flood upon the earth. Noah is in there. No one listened to Noah. No one heard him, none but his family. God rescued Noah. And in the midst of that flood, in the midst of that storm, in the midst of that chaos that was raging around them, God remembered Noah. And so the very center of that story is Genesis 8.1, God remembered Noah. And I want you to picture it, I want you to visualize it because it's visualized in the story if you read it and see it this way. It's a pyramid and I'm sorry that the pyramid's upside down but it's just because of the number of words in each in each verse that I had to do it upside down. But recognize the pyramid actually goes up toward this phrase, God remembered Noah. At the end, the very next verses before and after this, the waters prevailed 150 days. The waters receded after 150 days. Next after that is that the waters covered the mountains. After that, on the other side of God remembered Noah, the mountains became visible. Before that side, before that statement of God remembered Noah, on the earth the rain fell and the waters of the deep burst up for 40 days and 40 nights. After, when the, 40 days after the mountains became visible, the land was dry. Before, we see the last seven days before the flood erupted, And then after those 40 days, after God remembered Noah, yet seven days he waited. He sent a dove out. It came back. He waited yet another seven days. At the very beginning, at seven days, the animals come. He waits seven days. And then at the very end, there was another seven days. And then the earth was dry. At chapter 7, verse 1, God tells Noah, enter the ark. In chapter 8, verse 16, he tells Noah, go out of the ark. And so, so in the midst of this, the, the pinnacle of this pyramid is God remembered Noah. And what God was doing, thank you, Mike, what God was doing by this was to show us that the absolute most important statement in this whole story is God remembered Noah. What if God had forgotten Noah? What was it that caused God to remember Noah? Let me make it a little personal. Do you want God to remember you? What does it mean that God remembers me? Well, in this idea, the the idea of that God remembers you, it's really metaphorical. It's not a, a literal thing. It's a metaphorical term that describes God's interaction with people. It doesn't mean that he forgets things, that somehow his memory is faulty. When God remembers individuals, he demonstrates his personal care in their life. Do you need God's personal care in your life? Then you're going to want to ask God to remember you. When he remembers, when he's remembering, he's acting on your behalf. Uh, We see it throughout the scripture. We see Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1. She could not have children. She was unable to have children. And she cried out to the Lord. Oh God, 
please. I'll do anything. And the scripture says, God remembered Hannah. And she conceived and bore a child. Abraham pleaded with God concerning the destruction of Sodom because he knew his nephew Lot lived in Sodom. And he pled with God and he said, God, please, I know you're the judge of all the earth. Won't you do right? And it said, God remembered Noah and had compassion on Lot and took him out of the city. And then we see Noah. Why was it that God remembered Noah? I believe it had to do with the fact that he was calling out to God, God, remember me. We are being tossed back and forth. Lord, it's been 40 days. Lord, it's been 100 days. Lord, it's been 120 days. And the seas are roiling and, 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 and I, I don't know how far we're up. I don't know where we are. My GPS went out. We use a similar, we use a phrase in a similar fashion. You know, if your child asks you in August for a Christmas gift and come Christmas time, you said, I remembered what you asked and I acted on behalf of your request. Or you, somebody, you ask, somebody asks you a favor and you said, you know, I remember you asked me to do that for you. I found the time and I did that. Or you ask your boss for a raise. And your boss says, I remembered that you asked me for a raise. I'm going to give you a raise. So we, we use that in, that in that sense. Not that we had forgotten per se, but that we're choosing to act on that. I wanted to do that for you. You know what? God wants to act on your behalf. How is it that God remembers? I think there's three things that we see here in this in, in, in the remembrance of God and remem- God remembering. How is it that God remembers? First of all, it's conditional. It's related to when you pray. It's conditional. Hannah would have had no child unless she had prayed. Lot would not have been rescued from the destruction of Sodom had Abraham not prayed. And so on. I believe Noah would not have been rescued from the ravages of the flood had he not prayed. God chose to remember and act on the basis of their prayer. And today, God chooses to remember you on the basis of your prayer. It's, rela- it's conditional. It's related to prayer. Secondly, and that was short, don't worry. <laughs> Secondly, it's covenantal. It's related to God's promises. You know, a covenant is a relational agreement. It's a relational contract. When God makes an agreement, a relational agreement with His people, and they believe His promises, and they plead with Him according to those promises, He remembers. See, when you read the Word of God, and you get a hold of God's promises and you plead with him on the basis of his promises, he remembers. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, 
seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything concerning life and godliness in the knowledge, in the true knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted us precious and magnificent promises. Great and precious promises. But you know what? You don't know them if you don't read them. And I think that's what we see and what we recognize. You have to read the contract. How do you know what benefits you have that you might not miss unless you avail yourself of them, but you don't know them unless you read it? I'll give you an example of this. Did you know that your health insurance, most likely, your health insurance has a health fit benefit? They'll give you $150 to $400 a year for you to join a gym or to get lift tickets for skiing or anything else health-related. Take a, a, a class, a, a gym class, something. Did you know that? How many of you already knew that? Well, you're up on that. How many of you are saying, I've been missing what? Look at your insurance. Because anything like that, you just give them, send them in the receipt. They got a little form. You send that in. You got 150 to 400 bucks. Oh, he's going right now to find out. <laughs> um, but what? You didn't read the contract. You didn't see that. We are offered great and precious promises in the Word of God. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse 24 and chapter 6 verse 5, it, God tells the people, it says, the people groaned in their burdens. They were in grievous slavery. And it says the people groaned unto, and God remembered them according to his covenant which he made with Abraham and I. They were crying out, God, you said you'd deliver us. God, you promised Abraham that you'd deliver us. And they were, they were hurting. They were hurting bad. God made a promise to them. And he remembered them according to his promise. You can count on him. God is a person of his word. You can count on him and plead his promise. But you have to know it. Why? That's why Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Do you want faith? Be in the word. You need to be in the Word. Do you want God to remember you? You've got to know His promises. How are you going to know His promises except to be in His Word? That's upon you. Be in His Word. Remember His promises. But thirdly, and, and, and I think this is true in, in, in a lot of cases, it's not only conditional, conditional, it's related to when you pray. It's not only covenantal, it's related to God's promises. But it's also based on God's character. It's related to His person, who He is. You know, a lot of times, you can't find definite promises about something you're going through in the Word of God about your particular situation but you can appeal to God on the basis of his character. On Psalm 20, in Psalm 25, King David speaks of that. He says, 
Remember, O Lord, your compassion and loving kindnesses, for they have been from of old. He was declaring, God, your loving kindness, your compassion has been forever. And so remember me according to those things. One of the greatest passages in the Old Testament, and it's repeated several times, in part or in whole, it's repeated. It's that first encounter that Moses had with the Lord where God gives him a glimpse of himself. And it wasn't so much of a physical glimpse that Moses received, but it was the understanding of his character because it says, as the Lord passed, a voice said, the Lord The Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, keeps loving kindness for thousands, forgives iniquity and transgression and sin, yet will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers to the children of the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. And so there's something of God's character in that, and you'll see it being quoted, you'll see it being announced by God's people again and again throughout the Old Testament. You're gracious and compassionate. God, I don't have an answer for this. I don't know how you can uh, carry this out, but God, be gracious and compassionate because that's who you've said you are. Have compassion on me. You need to recognize God's goodness. Don't be fooled by the devil's propaganda machine that said God is cruel. He's harsh. The character of God is the reason to approach Him. He is slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. He forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. We can approach Him. There are examples of God's kindness throughout the Scripture. You see it in the Old Testament. You see Rahab. Rahab is an example of the, the the provision of God to rescue even those in condemnation. Think about Rahab. God had preached the gospel to the Canaanites for hundreds of years through Abraham. They knew of Abraham. They knew of the word of Abraham. As a matter of fact, uh, in the 1970s, we found a, uh, a city, a tell uh, in Syria. called uh, The place was called Ebla. And it's got thousands of documents dating back to 3000 B.C., 3,000 to 2,000 B.C., maybe 1,500. um, And it it documents Abraham in some of the material in there. He was an ongoing witness to the people of Canaan. God gave them 400 years to repent. And God said, now Israel's coming in. The sin of the Amorite has not yet been filled up. But now it's come in, and guess what? God says, Israel, you need to destroy the nation. And yet, what do we see? We see Rahab, who sees God, knows of the coming destruction, but knows that God in His power and His mercy could save. And so she trusts in Him. That's a picture that everybody else in in the land of Canaan could have done the very same thing. She and her family were rescued because of her faith. The others there, knowing who God is and what God did, could have been rescued. Jonah's another example. Ninevites. Jonah comes in 40 days, yet Nineveh will be destroyed. All they had was a promise from God of destruction. But you can can see the reasoning. If this God is powerful enough to destroy us, 
Perhaps he is compassionate enough to forgive us. And they pled with God. And God forgave them. And God said, I don't want to see the destruction of this city. He told Jonah. Jonah was waiting for it. Because he knew that what was good for Nineveh was bad for Israel. He was a prophet. He knew what was coming. What was good for Nineveh was bad for Israel. And he said, I want them wiped out. And he put up a little, a little spot there when he was waiting for the destruction. Wait, I want to see that fire come down. And God said, don't you even know these people have no understanding of right from wrong? Shouldn't I have had compassion on them? And if Jonah, you don't like that, they had a bunch of cattle and flocks as well. I mean, you want me to save them at least for their... For their Jonah didn't get it, that God was kind. The Ninevites got it, and they repented. There are other examples through the, through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, of everything. God is slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. He forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. Even when Abraham was pleading with God concerning Sodom, he said, God, you're the, you're the judge of all the earth. Won't you do right? You won't destroy the place if there are 50 righteous people there, would you? You wouldn't. And then he begins to bargain with God. Because of his relationship, he could do that. God, what about 10? If I find 10 righteous people there, I won't destroy the place. And so we we see this. We see God is long-suffering. But if you are going to respond to God in his person, in his character... You need to spend time with him. You can't, Abraham was able to bargain with him because he knew God. He spent time with God. You can't say, I want to know God, but not spend time with him. You can't say, I want to know God, but not take time in his word. That, that just doesn't follow through. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth. I want to know God, but you're not going to spend time with him? Secondly, when should you ask God to remember you? So that's how God remembers you. You have to pray. It's, it's based on His promises. It's based on His character. We need to plead with Him according to His promises, according to His character. But when should you ask God to remember you? When should you? How about when you're in danger or distress? In Numbers chapter 10, God says, listen, when you go to war... In your land against the adversary who attacks you, you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets that you may be remembered before the Lord and He would rescue you. That was an aspect of prayer, blowing the the shofar. Da-da, Lord here. It was a prayer to God. It was a calling out. That's what they, when they heard that shofar, the alarm, it, it not only was symbolically prayer, it was calling the people to pray, oh God, help us. Lord, hear. Sometimes that's all you have time to pray. When you're in danger or distress, like the Egyptians when they were in that grievous slavery in Exodus 2.24, when you're in despair. Have you ever been in despair? Are you in despair? Call to me. 
Call upon my promises. Call upon my character. God wants you to call upon Him. Remember me. When should you ask God to remember you? How about when you're in discipline? If you're under discipline, God wants you to call upon Him to remember you. In Habakkuk, Habakkuk writes his whole letter about the coming judgment of Israel. And as he gets to the last chapter, he begins and says, Oh God, revive us. Will you revive us in the midst of years? And he says, Lord, in your wrath, remember mercy. If you're under the discipline of God, that's part of God's mercy. So God, remember me. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your law. In wrath, remember mercy. Maybe when you're dejected or destitute or rejected by others, the psalmist in Psalm 89 said, God, remember me because my family has rejected me. Have you ever been rejected? I remember when I became a Christian, I was rejected by my family. But I prayed to God, God, remember me. And He did, and He saved many of them. Praise God. Maybe when it seems God has rejected you. The psalmist in Psalm 74 called out to God in the midst of, God, it seems like you have rejected. Will you reject forever? God, why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation which you have purchased from of old, which you have redeemed from the tribe of your inheritance. Remember. Remember us. That was covenantal. That was based on His promises. Lord, remember. Maybe when you're dying. There's probably no greater extremity than this. But Isaiah, in Isaiah 38, God told him, Isaiah, uh, did I say Isaiah? I'm sorry. Hezekiah, in Isaiah 38, Hezekiah was told by Isaiah, you're going to die, get your house in order. And Isaiah just turned his face to the wall. He was laying in his bed. He was sick. God said, you're going to die. He turned his face to the wall and he said, oh God, remember me. I've walked with you in truth. I've been in your word. I've sought your face I've walked with you in truth. And God healed him. Remember, our extremity is God's opportunity. And we need to see that and recognize that. Or all of these things are times that you should ask God to remember you. Um, think of the story of Noah. Here he was in the ark. God gave us an illustration of salvation in this ark. He was in the ark. Lord, remember me. Remember me. There was one way into the ark, one way out of the ark, one way into and out from the old world, death to the old world, and then uh, entrance into the new world. We've been buried with Christ. We've been made alive with Him. It's a picture of salvation. And so I, I say to you here, maybe you're lost. You're without Christ. You're not sure if you were to die, if you'd go to heaven. 
It's a great time to call unto God and say, God, remember me according to your son, Jesus, who died on my behalf, who died for my sins so that I might not experience the penalty of sin. And we see an example of that in Luke chapter 23. This man was hanging on the cross next to Jesus, a malefactor, an evildoer he was called. And he turns to Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What he recognized was Jesus is God because in the Old Testament you have everybody calling to Jehovah, remember me, Lord. And here's this man, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He called upon him. He received him. God desires no one to perish. If you're lost, you ought to say, God, there's room for me there, isn't there? There's room for me at the cross, isn't there? There's room for me for what Jesus, from what Jesus did for me. I deserve to go to hell because of my sin, but Jesus took hell for me. And he rose from the dead. And his resurrection is proof that I will rise too if I but trust him. And so call upon him, Lord, remember me. Remember me. Save me from my sin. So those are some times when you should call unto God to remember you. And I'd say it this way as well, all the time. You should call God to remember you all the time. I'd, let me say it this way. If you think about it, you should pray about it. If you think about it, a lot of times things just cross our mind and we begin to meditate on those things. And we don't pray about those things. We just think, my wife has cancer. And we begin to let our mind run with that, right? We let our mind run with that. Oh, what's going to happen? What's going on? Do we have the money for that? Do, is, is she going to be healed? But we don't pray about it. I'm not saying you don't pray about it, Rock. I know you do. But what happens? We, these things cross our mind and then we get bitter about them or we get depressed or we get anxious, we get concerned. Listen, if it concerns you, you should pray about it. God, remember me. You're going to change our whole mind, our whole attitude around. If we, these things that come into our mind, we begin to pray about them. Because otherwise, if we focus on the trouble, the problem just gets bigger in our mind. Direct your heart and your mind upward toward God and make it a matter about which to seek Him that He might remember you. Jesus said in Luke 18, when the Son of Man comes, when He returns, will He find faith on the earth? And that whole parable was about people praying. The idea is when, I'm, when things get so terrible, when things get so chaotic in the world, are people still going to lift their eyes up and pray. When I return, will I find people praying? You know, perhaps when you get before the Lord, you're going to say, God, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you help me? And the Lord will say, did you ask me to remember you about that thing? Call upon him. Ask him to remember you. And then lastly, and I think this is, this is so important, God calls you. God commands you. God calls you to remember, ask him to remember you. 
I mean, if it's one thing, if we kind of stick our nose in, in a place where it should not be, we, we just barge in, oh, you don't want to hear from me, God? Okay, never mind. Uh, God's calling you to remind him about you. Think about this. In, in Isaiah 62, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. Let me, let me back up. There's a, there's a term in the Old Testament called the recorder. It's not that little instrument that little kids play, okay? The recorder was the individual, the, secre- the scheduling secretary of the official. The recorder. Uh, and so-and-so was the recorder of Solomon. And so-and-so was the recorder of David. He was the reminder. He was the, re- the appointment scheduler. He, you know, I don't think about my appointments anymore. I put them on my phone and I set them to ring whenever they, like an hour before if that's good, or if a day before if I need to get ready for something. I, I just put it on my calendar as a reminder. And that takes the place of that guy that used to walk with the king and say, King, remember, 1 o'clock, you got an appointment with the uh, prince from Syria. Uh, King, at uh, 3 o'clock, uh, the Queen of Sheba's coming by. Um, he would do that. He would, he would direct that schedule and remind the king about what's supposed to go on. And so for that, in, in Isaiah 62, look at what he says. He says, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen all day and all night. They will never keep silent. You... Here he is now. He's expanding it. Who is it? It's you. You who remind the Lord. There's that word. You who are looking at the Lord's schedule. You who remind the Lord. Take no rest for yourselves. Give him no rest. Give God no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in all the earth. This is, this is what, what, what's making Jerusalem a praise. What's he talking about? The expansion of God's kingdom. A people coming into the kingdom through faith in the Savior. His people walking in a manner worthy of the kingdom of God to which they've been called. The building up of the church. And the salvation of the lost. And think about this for a moment. I think sometimes we get it mixed up. Jesus said, I will build my church. He did not say he would build your church. He didn't say I should build his church. We should pray something like, Lord, build your church. And if you will remember me, let me be a participant in that work. I will build my church. Too often we get the focus on us and our kingdom. Lord, build, you build your church. And if you remember me, let me be a participant in it. So the question to consider is this. Will you be the Lord's reminderer, his recorder? Will you be the one who gives him no rest until he answers and remembers his church? Until he remembers the churches in this region? Until he remembers and brings revival and awakening to this nation? That he brings revival and a desire for holiness among all the people in this body? And a seriousness of concern for the lost? Will you be the one who says, I'll be God's rememberer? 
I'm going to call him to remembrance, to remember me, to remember the work he wants to do through me. I'll be that one. And if you're here, you've never called on Jesus Christ as your Savior, today you can say, Lord, remember me. And he will fulfill that promise according to his word. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you need Christ, call upon him today. And as we close in prayer, we'll have an invitation time. If you're without Jesus, you need to receive him. Just come forward at the end of this time. Maybe you're one of God's children. You've called upon him and you say, you know what? I'm going to commit myself to being one of God's rememberers, reminderers. Maybe you want to just sit in your seat where you are and pray or maybe come to the front and say, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to call on you daily to remind you to remember me and your kingdom's work here. Let's pray. Father, we pray and ask that you would work in our own hearts today. God, if there are some that do not know you as their Savior, that they would call upon you. They would say, Lord, remember me. Save me from my sin. Give me life eternal. And Lord, for your own people here, that they would no longer be complacent. They would not say, well, God won't hear me. But they would recognize your promises. They would understand your character and seek your face and desire to be heard by you. Oh God, I pray, help us, Lord. Remember us today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. We're going to sing, I'd Rather Have Jesus, hymn 517. As we sing, I'd Rather Have Jesus, do you need him? Would you come just during this time to receive him as your Savior? You come as we sing, I'd Rather Have Jesus. Rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Let's sing one more verse. Do you need some time to take with the Lord? To call upon Him, to remember you. You come as we sing. If you need to be saved, that opportunity is always available while today is the day of salvation. You come as we sing on that second verse. Would you rather have Jesus? Then come. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather
true to his holy name than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords seated for just a moment. Harold and uh, the other men, the leadership here, would you come forward? We're going to be praying for Harold. Harold's leaving for country A this afternoon, country B uh, in uh, two weeks after that, and he'll be back here about the 24th, 25th. But uh, some of these, these countries are dangerous for Christians to be in, and you know that. <laughs> and um, so... Uh, we're going to be praying for him, and I hope you remember to ask God to remember him while he is away. Would you start, Bill? Father in heaven, God, you indeed are great and greatly to be praised, almighty God. And it's in the name of your son, the Lord Jesus, that we come before you. We thank you for Harold, and we pray that you indeed would remember him, that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit continually, daily, overflowing that you would set your hand of protection and guidance and direction upon him. Lord, that you would use him in a mighty and great way as he teaches um, in those countries. God, that men and women would um, be able to tell others about you, that would be able to teach. And God, as uh, your word tells us in Matthew 28, to continue to teach others. And we just pray that you would. And as a message this morning, remember Harold God. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear Lord, we ask today that, Lord, you know that you know what needs here. The needs that Harold has, the needs that he has for strength and for grace to bring your word, the sword of the Spirit, Lord, to these people so that he might teach, so that others can be pastors and lead other people to Jesus Christ, Lord. And I ask you today that you would bless him. Be a, a lamp unto his feet and a light unto his path, Lord. And, uh, and protect him in a way that only you can. Fill him with your Holy Spirit. And then fill those around him with your Spirit. Prepare their hearts so they can hear, listen, and, and absorb everything that you would have them to hear, Lord. And, uh, and bring him back safely to us. And we ask these things in Jesus Christ, holy and blessed name, and for his sake. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for the daily graces and mercies that you show us, Lord God. I thank you for allowing us the honor of being able to participate in your work. Lord, I thank you for Harold being obedient to your word. You tell us in the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations, Lord God, and to teach them all that we've been commanded. Lord, I thank you for Harold's willingness to do that. I thank you for uh, supplying him with the knowledge and, and willingness to go. Lord, I pray for Harold and the men that are going to be there for their protection. Uh, Lord, I pray that your word, your truth uh, will continue to spread, Lord God. And I just thank you again for, for Harold. And I pray for his family, that you watch over his family and protect them, Lord God, and be with them during this time of him being gone. And give Harold just peace, Lord, beyond understanding. And allow him to see the fruit of the work that you're doing over there, Lord God, so he may be encouraged in your precious name.
Oh, Lord God, how great you are, how awesome. Lord, you are the one who opens doors that no man can close, and you are the one who closes doors that no man can open. And Father, you have opened a door of effectual service for our brother Harold, and we praise you and thank you for that. And God, we do pray uh, uh, for his safety, Father, and for his health. Lord, we know there may be uh, many adversaries, uh, but God, you are, are greater than all our fears, and you are the giver of life. You protect, you heal, you comfort, you guide, you strengthen. And so, Father, we look to you for our brother Harold, that you would be his all in all as he goes and steps through this into this opportunity uh, that you have given him, that, he glorify, that you would be glorified in all that is done and said. Uh, in Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. <laughs>